eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome into Loho Daily. I'm Lawrence Holmes, a.k.a. Loho. So, this episode is a little different. It's an interview, and I'm still not sure whether or not I'm going to play this interview on the air. Although, I will have to edit out at least one part, which you'll hear on this version. Tony came to me last week and he said, hey, do you want to interview Meta World Peace? And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's been doing some really great interviews. I heard the interview with Jamel Hill, for example, which was incredible. So I'm like, man, is there, can I do better? Can I do a better interview? I don't think that I did, mainly because we weren't in the same room. It was one of those things where you have to, Being in a room with someone, I think, makes for a better interview. That being said, I was, after the interview was done, I went back and talked to Tony. I said, you know, that was really great. I enjoyed talking with him. And he's been, he's such an interesting figure. Such an interesting figure. And he's clearly done a lot of work on himself. And the purpose of this interview was to promote the, the, ESPN film that he did, the documentary on him, which is really interesting, and to promote, or the show, I'm sorry, Showtime uh, film that, that, they, that he did with one of the 30 for 30 producers, and to talk about his clothing line. Well, you'll hear us talk about both of those things inside this interview, but I will tell you that one of the things that I was interested in, in talking with Meta World Peace, formerly Ron Artest. I wanted to know about his experience of of being a bull. And you'll hear me ask the question. I I asked him because that's it's it's almost like that's not part of his basketball resume. It's like everything starts and stops with the malice at the palace. And what you'll hear is a guy who is trying to figure some things out. I don't know how well he succeeded. I'm not here to be his judge or his jury, but I did find his his story interesting and worthy of sharing. So I wanted to share it with you. And if you hear this and you you have an opinion on whether or not I should share it on the air, let me know. 
because I'm still on the fence about trying to fit it in on the air somewhere this week, and we'll see where it goes. But hit me up, at Lawrence W. Holmes on Twitter, if you've got an opinion on it. So this is getting connected with Meta World Peace. Enjoy. Meta, meet Lawrence. Lawrence, meet Meta. Meta, how are you, sir? Doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, man. I appreciate you you doing this for me. There's a a lot I want to cover, and I know that you're probably exhausted talking about all this stuff. One one thing I want to talk about my shows my shows on in Chicago. For whenever people talk about your career, it's almost like the the Bulls era of your career doesn't exist. Well, what do you remember about being a Bull? I know, right? It's true. But the Bulls are great. I remember a lot of great times. Obviously, my career it hasn't been what it was supposed to. So a lot of the bad times are often talked about. But you know, it was great times. My favorite team, Chicago Bulls. I got a chance to be drafted. That's a dream come true for any kid. So, you know, um, but I just um, wish I wish it would have been better. But I remember playing in United Center. I remember being, you know, one of the best defenders ever to touch ground in United Center. They United Center got it first. You know, United Center, they saw, like, this kid is going to be a hell of a defender. You know, so it, it was pretty cool to share that, to share that moment with the United Center. Considering the era that you were following up, because this was, you know, right after the Jordan era kind of ended in Chicago, was there any, did you feel any added pressure because of the weight of following a legend? Um, not really. I, actually, it was great because I wanted to, I wanted to be just like Michael Jordan. You know, I felt like Michael Jordan did great things and and now I'm here and we suck. And I wanted, I always wanted to put a banner in Chicago, like from day one, I knew I wanted to put a banner up there. Um, but you know, um, I, I didn't make it that long to, in Chicago. You've been doing a lot of reflection publicly uh, over over this campaign that that you've been on, in, including the documentary. And I I'm curious on is that on purpose? Are are you holding yourself accountable by doing all of this stuff publicly? I think it's very important, you know, for an athlete like mine, you know, not only to get the message of keep it real. And never forget where you come from, but also hold yourself accountable. Absolutely. So what sent you down the road to to try and, and really help yourself become a better person and look into what, what was going on inside you to try and fix it? Well, I think um, anytime you uh, – any human needs stabilization and balance. When you don't have that, you know, your emotional levels could outweigh one uh, – to you know, to the left or to the right, you always want to be balanced, and that's that's a really important lesson that we teach our athletes. Uh, even on my uh, coaching platform, um, when I coach my teams and I coach hundreds and hundreds of players, um, you know, we try to work with players such as myself and teach them, you know, stabilization and balance. Do you think that you have a better handle on it now from from a coaching standpoint than, than what you did as a player, that you can see some of the things that maybe you weren't the best at as a player now that you see it from the coach's perspective? Yeah, absolutely. And then if I just take a, a page out of Rick Allenman's and uh, Phil Jackson's book um, and Mike Jarvis, actually, and Mike Jarvis, if I just uh, uh, mimic those guys, uh, it, uh, I'll be a hell of a coach. Yeah, but I mean, I, I've seen some of the Mike Jarvis stuff. He can be tough at times. How did how did you in the moment deal with the tough love that you got from coaches? Well, um, 
my Jarvis was like a father. He was more of a protector and a nurturer type of coach. He wasn't going to let you off the hook easy, but he was he often put personal before business, meaning he'd rather see Metal World Peace, mental health, uh, get under control than to see the team win. And that's why Mike Jarvis and his wife is such a good person. Why do you think that there's such a stigma around mental health in professional sports? There's a stigma because you expect athletes to be superheroes and athletes don't want to admit to their mental health issues if they have any because they're afraid of what the public might think and it can hurt their contract. Well, how do you feel about athletes now being more open to saying, you know, Kevin Love has come out and talked about some things. DeMar DeRozan has talked about some stuff. And a lot of people point to you as as a catalyst in that regard. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel really good to be one of the people on the forefront of exposing uh, and releasing the stigma. I think Dennis Rodman was one of the first when he went on Oprah. I think that was big of him to go on and speak about his problems. But he wasn't directly putting a cause behind it. I think Oprah, she had a, a message and with her, uh, with her creating that piece of content, you know, I think she had a message, and I think she did something really big, but I don't think Dennis Rodman understood what he was doing for somebody like me to one day be vulnerable and open up. Do you think that, they, that Rodman's entire persona in the NBA, where it's him in the wedding dress, it's him being different, it's a different color hair, like that – allow more people like yourself to be freer individuals in the league? Yes, I think so. It's all about fulfill, fulfilling. And when you're not fulfilled, you know, you do things or you try to fill those voids. And and some people do it, you know, with sleeps. Some people do it with, you know, spending or, or drugs. And, you know, when you're not fulfilled, you're trying to uh, fill a void. And I think, Rodman, I don't think he, at the times at that time I don't think he was fulfilled. Um, I don't think he healed wounds, and all these uh, play a big role, you know, in mental health. Talking with Meta World Peace here on the score, you should check out his clothing line. The pandasfriend.com is where you can check it out. What what said to you? I I have what it takes to be a, a clothing mogul. Well, you know, I think for my clothing line, we promote basketball and we have a lot of basketball teams. We have teams called the Pandas Friends and and our teams, our players often need help and services. They need pipelines to the NBA, pipelines to college. Uh, they might need a Kaplan online class or they might need to figure out, uh, you know, ways to get on to the, you know, Harvard even has a, a program for free. So it's different things like that that we provide for our players. So the Pandas Friends, when we sell uh, clothing, you know, the, a lot of the money is uh, going towards, you know, uh, the marketing uh, and, and, and creating uh, different uh, sports teams, you know, for, for, for these kids and for you and for adults also, because adults need they need some support, too. So the Panda Friends is a platform, you know, for, for for me, you know, to fund these different type of projects. And um, when people every time I see a sale go through. You know, it's awesome because I'm able to, um, you know, create another basketball team or I'm able to run another basketball practice. So it's really good. When you were starting out your basketball career, 
I, I imagine that it didn't end the way that you maybe thought it would when you first started. But did you think at the end of this whole thing there would be so much introspection and that and that you would evolve as a person? Um, I always I always was evolved because uh, I, I was doing charitable work when I was young, but I was I wasn't stable. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it's a um, it's a difference from being stable and evolved. You can be uh, unstable and not evolved, or you can be unstable and evolved, or you can be stable and evolved. You know, I, I was I was always evolved as a person. I always knew I wanted to do good things, but emotionally I had no control there. So how how would you say if someone is kind of in the this, the place that you were in? How would you suggest that they go about trying to stabilize themselves? Uh, I think a lot of tools uh, that we weren't provided when we were when we we're young. Um, we provided tools that say if somebody hits you, fight back. You know, um, you know, or don't take no trash, don't take no mess. You know, or uh, you know, eye for an eye. Those those type of tools. And sometimes, you know, I and I get you in trouble. So tools like breathing, tools like reading, going on a hike, doing yoga, meditation, those tools are not really taught. Um, they are looked down upon, and they have a stigma attached. As crazy. You see somebody doing yoga in the street, you're like, oh, how did, that person's so crazy. Look at them stretching. Look at them just, like, moving. It's so dumb, right? And those type of things are where you empower yourself when you can do yoga in the middle of, of Central Park in New York City, and gain gain control of your breath and different things like that. You can gain control of yourself, and that's that, that's real empowerment. It's so funny that you say that because I was at a a, a music event this past weekend, and there was someone as DJ who was playing hip hop. It was awesome. We had a great time, and is on the south side of Chicago in Hyde Park. And there was a guy in the middle of this street festival on a yoga mat, like doing yoga, and. And I had kind of the same thought that you had, where I'm like, man, this is kind of great that the way that he's enjoying the music might be different than the way that I'm enjoying the music, but he's out there enjoying it his way and getting something out of it. Yeah, it's true, and that's very important to express yourself how you want to express yourself and and making sure that you fulfill yourself, not trying to fulfill you know, someone else's opinion is very important. How valuable do you think that would have been to you to learn when you were a teen? I think it would have been valuable because I would have used it. Anything that made me better, I always used. And one of the things that made me better was my aggression and was my anger. So I used it. But anything that would have made me better, I definitely would have explored it. So, so how do you harness that when you're talking to players now? Because you're right. One of the things that made you a, a dominant defender was you didn't take any mess. And so what, watching you play the game with that anger and aggression, how, how do you find the line for players that you coach of this is a good way to harness that aggression versus this is the bad way? You know, um, I think you just keep it real. You got to be honest. You can't you can't sugarcoat, and that's one thing about a lot of coaches. You know, sometimes they sugarcoat. Whereas I'm not afraid to get fired. I'm not afraid to tell the all star you're an asshole. Part of my language, you know. I'm not afraid to tell them you got to be better. You got to be a team player, and 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 that's one of the things that I want that that I want to stand by. And I think it's really important because, like me, me and myself, you know, when I was playing. You know, I was I was uh, very disruptive, and I, and that can't happen. 
the team is always more important than the individual. Um, but at the same time, you always want to take in consideration that you don't know what type of uh, characters or personalities you're going to receive as a coach. So you want to make sure that you are uh, nurturing each and every player that's coming through. You want to leave them with some type of message. The Quiet Storm is the, the, the name of the documentary on Meta World Peace. You can learn more about him. It's more than just about the malice at, at, at the palace. You get to kind of learn this journey that Meta has gone through. And the Panda's Friend is the clothing line, the pandasfriend.com. I just got a couple more questions for you, Meta. When it came to doing the Quiet Storm, were, were you all in on it or were you apprehensive reliving some of the stuff that caused you a lot of pain? Well, originally it was a basketball documentary because I wanted to show people how good I was because uh, I felt like that wasn't out there. Then when I started talking, I always get deep and I always get conscious. And then the words that were coming out of my mouth, it led to this documentary. They said, hey, let's change it. Omar, uh, Johnny Sweet, and Colleen, they said, we need to change this into a mental health doc. This is powerful. So we didn't even finish the doc that, was originally, that we was originally planning for. Um, so it was, it was pretty easy because I'm always open. And we have about two more docs that we're going to do that is going to be very powerful. And the reason I say it's going to be powerful is because I'm open. I'm pretty much an open book. So mental health is one of the um, aspects that is very interesting and from fans um, in terms of pro athletes. And there's a lot of other things that's interesting. Obviously, ESPN did 30 for 30s and different things like that. Um, So we have a couple other interesting things that we want to – that we want to compliment a lot of those uh, stories that you heard. So, um, you know, this, this is only one doc, and you'll, you'll see three more that I think would be really interesting. All right, that's exciting. Speaking of documentaries, I thought about you when the Felipe Lopez documentary came out. And, I, one, had have you seen it? And, two, what was it like to live in that phenomenon of Felipe Lopez at St. John's? It was great. I grew up watching Felipe as a kid, so I know everything about Felipe. And the thing about the thing about Felipe is, you know, he's a great person. He was a hell of a player. I wish he would have left after high school. I wish he would have never went to college. Um, but he did have a decent NBA career. If he didn't get hurt, he was about to sign a, a new contract. It wasn't going to be an all-star contract, but it was going to be a big one. Then he got hurt. So people, they forget that Felipe actually had a really good NBA career, but he just got hurt. Yeah, when he started to kind of get things together in Minnesota, and then it all kind of fell apart for him, and it makes me, it makes me kind of sad. All right, all right, one more thing, Meta. How would you describe how you feel from day to day? Like, is it a fair question for me to ask? Are you happy? Um, I feel great. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, um. It's, like, I told, like I said earlier, it's all about stabilization and balance, and it's all about, you know, just having a good time. But at the same time, you know, you get older, and as you get older, you learn a little bit more. But not some people grow up, and they just, you know, very stable, you know. But for me, it's like, you know, just like have fun. And I'm having fun doing what I do now. I'm learning a lot. A lot of things that I wanted to do as a young player, I wasn't able to do. Um, and it was I was frustrated by a lot of things. There was, was so many things I was frustrated I remember coming um, into Mark Bottlesing's office and asking him I wanted, at 19 years old to start my own shoe company. And I remember being frustrated not knowing the business of, 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 doing a, of, a, of starting my own shoe company. That was, it was so many things that would get me ticked off when I was young. 
you know, and as I get older, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, I have more patience for myself. You know, uh, I used to have no patience with myself. I want to be great now. And if I lose the game, uh, I'm going to be so upset. I'm only 19 years old. I'm not even good enough to win yet, but I hold myself to high standards. And then I get in trouble because I react. I even have more, I have more patience with myself, which leads me to have more patience with people. Um, even my interns or workers that I work with, I have a little bit more patience. But still, you know, being demanding that, you know, that I give myself my best and you give me your best also. Well, Meta, I really appreciate your time, man, and I I also appreciate the journey that you're on. I think that what people being able to watch you will help in, in, in a lot of ways because I think that there there's so much in what you've gone through where it doesn't matter if you're an NBA player or not. I know that I can see some of myself in some of the things that you've done where, like, you, you immediately want to punch back. Both, both figuratively and literally, when people they they cross you, and I think that there's a lot that, that's learned. So I appreciate that you're being this open and this willing to talk about some of these difficult issues. Absolutely, I mean, I, I appreciate y'all, you know, recognizing, giving me the platform, giving athletes the platform. You know, y- uh, you know, years ago it wasn't as acceptable, you know, to come out, and that's because just the, the climate we were in. You know, I think more media is more responsible treating athletes like humans and um definitely appreciate everyone uh follow the journey uh metaworldpeace.com um thepandasfriend.com uh thanks for everything thank you good luck with everything meta absolutely thank you okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.